Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. and attested to the fact that there are two things that are certain in life, death and taxes. And by the way, taxes are almost due. Uh, I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm an encourager this morning. They're coming. Uh, they're certain. But we also said that the thir- there's a third item or element in life that's always certain, and that is pain. Uh, like it or not, I wished it wasn't the truth, but there will be pain in life. In fact, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 19, God said to Adam, you will be working in pain all your life long. We're promised pain not because God is mean. We are promised pain because of our fallenness, because we fell, because man had a decision to make and made the decision to disobey God. Our own fallenness produces pain in our life. And yet at the same time, not only are we promised pain, we are also promised that God's presence comes into our life right in the midst of our trouble and our pain because we, we, we know that we can make it through pain and our hope is wrapped up in our fatheredness. God loves you. He's your father. And although you will encounter and experience pain, everybody that's never experienced any pain, raise your hand because I'm going to call you a liar right out in front of everybody. We've all experienced pain, right? But, but the hope we have is that our Father loves us so much that He walks through pain with us. And so we begin to talk in week one. We talked about the, the fact that uh, uh, we struggle with perspective not because we believe God causes pain. We struggle with perspective because we, we struggle with this idea that God uses our pain. And we said this, pain is a pervert. Pain perverts our perspective. So what happens is you walk through pain and, and, and things in your present situation begin to go bad. Then what happens is it perverts the picture in our mind and we begin to think back on seasons of our life where we were, where, where, where we were in bondage and the pain we're experiencing now makes us long for the old days and we begin to call bondage freedom. And we develop selective amnesia. And the seasons we prayed to get out of, now we want to get back into. Y'all ain't helping me none. Y'all already checked out on spring break. Because some of you I know have been praying, God, if you would just let me get back into that relationship, everything would be okay. But because you're in pain of loneliness right now, you have forgotten that in that relationship, that guy treated you like dirt. But now he's all that in a bag of chips and I need him back. Or the job. I need to go back to that job, God. I love that job. Really? You hated that job. Y'all ain't helping me none. Y'all ready? Pain causes us to forget the details. We forget the reality. And then we talked about how pain will cause you to get angry at the people that God has assigned to assist you during the seasons of your pain. You will actually begin to attack people that aren't causing your pain, but because you're in pain, you take it out on them. Anybody ever griped at your wife when it wasn't your wife's fault? Don't raise your hand. Don't, don't, don't. That's what we do. We, we tend to run to relief instead of relationships. And then last week we talked about this, that pain plots against us. Pain plots. The enemy tries to get us to, when we're going through pain, he tries to get us to do three things. He tries to get us to complain. Any, y'all, anybody running in, into any whiners this week? <laughs> 
people that whine all the time. Nobody wants to be around whiners, right? But the enemy tries to get us to whine. And then he tries to get us to compare because he recognizes if he can move us from complaining into comparing, we will begin to think we're the only ones that's ever had it as bad as I got it right now. Nobody, nobody, right? And he does that to get us to the third level, which is to get us to check out. So that we begin to isolate ourselves so that nobody can reach us and nobody can help us. That's what pain does. So this morning we're going to wrap this up and I'm just going to tell you that I would not be telling you the truth if I didn't tell you that you should expect some pain in life. I I need you to understand that Jesus, the very Son of God, experienced all of our life's experiences. He experienced life in all of its facets. We don't have a Savior or a Redeemer who doesn't know what it's like to be in pain. In fact, I would say to you this morning is that what we do is we love to quote Isaiah, and I'm going to read it to you here in just a second. We love to quote Isaiah because it describes a Savior that we can relate to, and we love the idea that, that, the, that Jesus wasn't immune to our reality. I love this passage of Scripture, at least the part that we read. We, we don't finish it. We only read portions of it. I'm going to read you the por- portion here in just a second that we leave out. This is the part we like to read. We, we even sang it this morning. Isaiah chapter 53, beginning of verse 3. He was despised and rejected by mankind. He was a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their face, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely, this is the, the part we love, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. And yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. I can always get a shout right there, and I'm glad we do shout right there. Because without this being true, there's no hope. He, 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 he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Y'all want to have church right there? We always have church right there, right? I'm thankful for that part. I like to read that part. My fav- one of my favorite passages of Scripture, we read it, we quote it, but we don't see the application and how it applies to us because we don't read the rest. Hold on. Do this. Just go ahead. Do that. It's not the discount double check. Do that. All right. Tighten your seatbelts because we don't read this part. We don't like this part. All right, here it is. Isaiah chapter 53, verses 10 through 11. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Let me, let me read that first phrase to you out of a, 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 a different version. Still, it's what God had in mind all along to crush him with pain. There is a statement in this passage that should cause the toughest among us to cringe. And that is this statement. It was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him 
to suffer. Now, if you stop right there and only read that little passage and don't get some perspective, then that is a miserable lesson to learn because what that means is if God will use pain and allow pain in the life of his very own son, in fact, his only son, newsflash, why do we think we should not suffer Y'all aren't liking this. See, God uses pain. God allows suffering. God allows crushing. And, and, and he utilizes the, the, these, these levels of pain. What I read is that in Isaiah chapter 53 that Jesus was despised and rejected by mankind. That means he suffered people pain. And then I recognize that Jesus even suffered permanent pain. Because you'll remember in the garden, he prayed, Father, if you will, take this cup from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will. This is permanent pain. I am going to go through this. There's no way to get out of this. He utilizes all that. So that isn't very encouraging until you realize that not only does Jesus go through people pain, and not only does he deal with permanent pain, what Jesus' life teaches us is that although the Father crushes him his pain is perfected that's the encouraging lesson for us this morning is yes we are going to go through pain and we're going to talk about people pain and permanent pain but the the encouraging truth I have for you this morning is that God can perfect your pain let me see if I can help you the the types of pain people pain Jesus was rejected by mankind. The Bible says he came to his own and his own received him not. The Bible says that one of his inner circle betrayed him. The Bible says that people mocked him and ridiculed him. He suffered people pain. And what I know this morning is that I can say this without any fear of being wrong. All of us at some point in our life have experienced people pain. I would say to you this morning that it's Many of us have experienced it at varied severity levels. I mean, you, you think about uh, some of you um, have just experienced breakups while others of you have literally walked through seasons of people pain where there have been vicious and intentional attacks that were designed and structured to completely and totally destroy you. They weren't out just to break your heart. They were out to break you. Don't, don't shout me down while I'm preaching good. Uh, some of us experience people pain for various reasons. There are reasons, different causes, and, and different lengths of duration. Some of us walk through short seasons of people pain. Some of you have been walking through people pain for long seasons, years. Right? People pain. So here's my question. Why do some people navigate past people pain and some of us continue to live in that pain and never seem to be able to get over it? What's the difference? Here, here's a couple thoughts I have for you just, just, just want to share with you. Some of us never get over people pain because we think our healing is contingent on an apology. Amen, you're dismissed. What I read in the New Testament as Jesus is suffering the the, the most destructive and painful death ever designed by man is that he hanging from a cross offers forgiveness and nobody ever apologized. Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. 
Not once did a soldier look up, at least in the accounts that we have, and said, oh man, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to stick that sword in your side. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to hit you with the whip that many times. My bad. Can you forgive me? No, no, no. He offers forgiveness, and no one even requests forgiveness. Let me, let me say this. If the person or the spouse or the employer or the betraying friend or the family member, so many of you come to this place in your own perspective of pain, you come to this place where you go, if they would just apologize, I would be able to get over this. And since they don't apologize, your people pain interrupts and derails your present. And you waste weeks, and in some cases you waste decades, and in the worst cases some of you, if you're not careful, will go all the way to the grave waiting on someone who isn't really sorry to act like they're sorry that they did what they did. So what you're really saying is that in order for me to have peace, I need them to lie to me. If they would just lie to me and say, I'm so sorry, even though they weren't sorry, I could live life. So my question to you this morning is this. If you're dealing with people pain, what if they never apologize? You need to hear me very carefully this morning so that you can move on and allow the pain you've endured to find protect, per, perfection. You need to hear me this morning. They don't hold the key to your healing. Listen, I, I need to share some information with you. The people who inflicted the emotional wound in your life will seldom be the ones who bandage it. That was good. I'll shout myself down. Uh, I, most of the people that wound you will never be the ones that come back and make it right. How do I know that? Because if they cared about your emotions, they wouldn't have done what they did in the first place. The one who remains in the prison of pain when you're sitting around waiting on an apology and waiting on somebody to lie to you and say they're sorry when they're not, the only person that remains in the prison of that pain is not them. It's you. And then the, the other thing I want to say to you this morning is that in order for you to get over people pain, you cannot confuse bitterness and strength. They're not the same. Bitterness is simply a heart with a scab. And if, your life, if your, your life and your heart is full of bitterness, then you are not stronger. You're just wounded. And I've discovered this. If you're bitter, then you're not completely healed. I'm just trying to help you this morning. See, the old idea that real forgiveness is only achieved not when you can't remember, but when you can remember with no pain, that is true. That is the difference between being bitter and strong. When you can reflect back over what they did, and they should not have done it. They had no right to do it. They should have known better. They should have treated you better. But when you can reflect over that, and you can reflect over that with no pain, then you're stronger because you're not bitter. See, some of you are not stronger, you're bitter. You act tough, but what the, the, the truth is, is you're not tough, you're tormented. You come in here and you smile, but when you go home, all you can think about is what they did to me. In fact, it's the last thing you sleep, go, you think about before you go to sleep. It's the first thing you think about when you get up in the morning. And you say you're stronger because of what you've been through. No, you're not. You're bitter. You're filled with anger and resentment. And the pain continues to cloud your mind and your outlook and your soul. And you're harder, but you're not healed. 
We know that because when we bump into you, we discover just how filled with anger you really are. Just let somebody cut you off. It didn't really bother you that bad. And all of a sudden you erupt. It has nothing to do with the fact that they cut you off. You've been cut off before. But now because your heart is consumed by that pain and you're claiming to be healed but you're still bitter, you take it out on somebody that had nothing to do with what they did to you. So here's what I want you to know about people pain. Listen to me very carefully. Please listen to me very carefully. Your pain may have been someone else's fault. But your healing is your responsibility. Nobody else can produce your healing for you. Well, if they would just stop, if they would just, if they would just, if they would, no! The issue here is you. They may never fix, stop, quit. But that has no bearing on whether you can be healed or not. Just trying to help. There's a second kind of pain that many of you deal with and many of us deal with. It's permanent pain. I want to say to you this morning that that we must learn to cope with permanent pain. What do we do with pain that won't go away? See, I know we like to get in the pulpit and talk about it's it's a cakewalk. You come to Jesus, you'll never experience any more pain. Hogwash. The truth is, is that many of you are dealing with permanent pain right now. What do you do with pain that won't go away? What do you do with a sickness that isn't healed? What do we do with death when it scars us to the depths of our being? I think it would do us good to go back and remember Paul's experience because the Bible teaches us that Paul experienced permanent pain. You know the account, it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul lets us in on a little secret. He's got a thorn in his flesh that wouldn't go away. Think about that a moment. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 teaches us that Paul prayed repeatedly for the pain to go away. Please, God, let my pain go away. I've been sick so long. I've been hurt so long. I've been broke so long. I've been... Over and over. Come on, I'm right in the middle of some of y'all's prayer life right now. Please, God, please. And nothing changes. What do you do with that? I believe what we've got to do is we've got to come to grips with this reality. When we are dealing with permanent pain, we must come to an understanding that permanent pain is pain that releases the sustaining power of Christ. Y'all miss it. Y'all miss that. Uh, Do you remember what God said back to Paul? In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, Paul finally gets a response. Don't you hate it when God talks back to you and he doesn't answer you like you want him to? Yeah, I know that's not y'all's experience. My experience is, is I always have God's answer figured out. And he seldom answers me the way I have it figured out. All right, I know y'all all spiritual, and God always says yes to you. Okay, but for me, okay, y'all ain't helping me not. Uh, Paul finally hears from God and, and speaks. God speaks to his permanent pain. I got this figured out, God. I'm Paul. I'm a dynamic man of God. I'm anointed. 
And so I've prayed for this permanent pain to go away. So you're going to respond to me and say, gotcha, bud. Here it comes. Boom. Pain gone. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Right? No. God comes back in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. He says this. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, now here's Paul responding back to God's response. This is what Paul says back. He didn't say, oh, I hate you, God. Don't talk to me about sufficient grace. Are you crazy? What's wrong with you, God? I quit. I'm out. Gone. You didn't answer like I wanted you to. No, 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 no. Paul responds back to God and says this. Therefore, because of what I've just heard, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness. So that, here it is, Christ's power may rest on me. Paul had this realization that what God refused to alter, he is also promising him that he will now assist him to endure. Some of you are dealing with permanent pain in your life, sickness and brokenness and heartache, and you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed for it to go away. And what this teaches us is that God, in the midst of permanent pain, wants to give you a revelation of sustaining grace. See, it's only in permanent pain that we truly learn about sustaining grace. Sustaining grace is grace that meets us at our point of need and equips us with the courage and the wisdom and the strength not to get out of it, but to endure it. In fact, I want to say to you this morning, it is, it is only in the midst of permanent pain that you can explore the depths of God grace, God's grace that others will never know anything about. Some of us will know about God's saving grace. But those of you that are dealing with permanent grace are, are being allowed to operate at a different level and move beyond your saving grace to discover and dig down into the depths of God's sustaining grace. He can keep you. See, fleeting or momentary pain gives you a glimpse of grace. But permanent pain can give you a constant and clear view of grace. So if you are in permanent pain, you've got a choice to make this morning. I wish I could stand up here and say, come on down. We'll slap oil on you like 92 times. It's, 90, it's not 91 times, not 93 times. We've got to get to the 92nd time. And on the 92nd time, woo! But I can't promise you that because some of you will endure permanent pain. But I would say to you that this morning you have a decision to make if that's your your lot in life, and that's what God is wanting to desire to de desires to do in you. Then you can either plumb the depths of pain, or you can dive into the depths of grace. And it's all about perspective. You can focus on the permanent pain and let that permeate your entire life and your life will be about I can't do this and I couldn't do this and I'm in I'm suffering and I'm doom and despair or you can turn your perspective around and say God because this is happening in my existence and because this is happening in my life now my focus it changes not to the pain but onto the one that helps me get through the pain and I just have a question for you may not make you feel any better but I've got a question for you how much must God trust you? Because his word teaches us that he will never put more on us than we can endure. So if you're dealing with what you're dealing with now, how 
much must God trust you? We sang that Jesus is trustworthy, but now let's flip the script. God's looking at you and he's singing over you. Charles is trustworthy. Tis so sweet to trust in Charles. Well, he's going through permanent pain. God must trust him. Y'all ain't helping me now. See, see y'all don't want to shout me down on that because some of you are thinking if I, you shout me down on that, you might have to endure some permanent pain. But when you do, you need to remember that you can make it. And you will get to sample and taste and see a level of grace that many of us will never know. Well, what's the goal, Steve? Why was it God's will to crush Jesus? Was he just in a bad mood on that day? No. He allowed Jesus to experience people pain and permanent pain to try to get him to move to the place where his pain could be perfected. And I'm here to ask some of you this morning, with all the pain that you're going through, could it be that God is trying to get you to experience this level where he perfects your pain? What in the world are you talking about? See, pain is certain and pain will happen. So we, we've got to make up our mind. We can wallow in people pain or we can become consumed by permanent pain or if we can get the right perspective, the pain that we face can be perfected. Jesus felt very real pain. And because of his perspective and clarity during that pain, his pain was perfected. Let me tell you how we know somebody's pain is perfected. Can I just, here's the litmus test, three of them that, that you can use in your own life. If you're, while you're walking through pain and you're enduring pain, we will know, we will be able to ascertain that your pain has been perfected and it's accomplishing its purpose in your life three ways. Here's number one. We will know your pain is perfected when you realize that there is value in your struggle. Jesus suffered pain. But he did it because he had the right perspective. And he did it because there was a joy, a prize set in front of him. Guess who the prize and what the prize was? Me and you. He recognized that although it was going to be painful and although he didn't enjoy the journey necessarily, there was value in his struggle and there was something to persist for. And some of you that are going through seasons of pain, you, we will know that the pain is being perfected in your life when you recognize that there is value in what you're going through. Because some of you don't think there's any value to your pain right now. It just hurts. It just doesn't feel good. But when, when your perspective comes unclouded, you will suddenly look at that pain and go, wow, there's value in this pain. Because watching you go through shows others the way. Y'all didn't get that. Watching you go through what you go through and you do it with the right perspective. Yeah, you started moping and you started complaining. But then you got the right perspective and now you're walking through your pain. And although it still doesn't feel good, your perspective has cleared up and you recognize there's value in it. And others watch you do that and they go, I can make it. When you realize that, what happens is your reactions change and your actions change and there's no grumbling and there's no whining and there's no vengeance and there's no retaliation. Why did Jesus stand silently 
while they beat him within an inch of his life because he realized there was value in the struggle. The second one is we will know your pain is perfected when you discover that hardship often prepares ordinary people for extraordinary things. You will no longer allow your pain to disqualify you from greatness. Well, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm hurt. I got it. But that doesn't disqualify you. We will know your pain is being perfected when you recognize that does not disqualify you from continuing on your journey and fulfilling your destiny. In fact, we need a realization that it is our pain that launches us to great things. Anybody remember our own Dr. Carpenter ever saying this statement? I, I miss Dr. Carpenter. He's passed on. He's with the Lord now. But he made a statement I will never forget. He said, our level of greatness is directly proportionate to our threshold for pain. Wow. Some of you are going through great pain. But we will know your pain is perfected when you recognize that God willed it and allowed it. And yes, it is crushing you. But when you're crushed and you're tried by fire, if your perspective stays clear, you will come out like gold. And you will recognize that you could never accomplish the things that God has for you to accomplish if you had not gone through. Oh, I'm not getting nothing from you today. It's all right. It's still the truth. And finally, we will know that your pain is perfected. Listen to me carefully. When you come to grips with the fact, hear me carefully, that God uses our pain as a passport into other people's brokenness. See, I know your pain is being perfected when rather than hiding your pain and rather than disguising your pain and rather than being ashamed of your pain, you allow your pain to be seen and you allow your pain to be shared and it gives you entry into the journey of brokenness that other people are traveling. Your pain is not perfect if you're in pain and you walk in here and fake it. Your pain is not being perfected when you walk into this body of believers and you're going through it and it's tearing your guts out and you walk in the door and somebody says, how you doing? And you put on the fake smile, the church smile, and say, too blessed to be distressed. You're lying, but you're disguising your pain so that we will think you glow in the dark and so that we will think you're super spiritual. And that we will elevate you in our own mind. And the only person you're really fooling is you. Because we know you ain't got it all together. Because none of us do. But I, rather than allowing your pain to be laid out there. As a passport into other people's brokenness. Because there are other people going through similar situations you're going through. And they need somebody that's going through with them. And because you fake it, they don't even know you're hurting. We have got to become a body of believers that will be honest about our pain. And when life isn't what we thought it would be, we can be honest. We don't wallow in it. We don't whine to get attention. 
but we're honest enough with each other to say, in a safe place like this, I'm hurting. Oh, but I'm hurting. So what's going on in your life? Are you hurting? Let's walk through the hurt together. That's what body is really about. So that on my strong days, I get up under your arms and lift your arms. And on my weak days, I can turn and you get up under my arms and lift my arms. And together we walk through. And finally, let me say this to you and I'll get out of your way. Based on Jesus' own experience, I would say to you, you will be glad you endured it. Jesus endured the pain and Isaiah says he was crushed. But if Jesus was standing here this morning, he'd say he's glad he did it. His perspective was clear. He endured unbelievable pain. But because of the prize, he endured it. We will know your pain is perfected when you are able to find joy in the morning. We will know your pain is perfected when you're able to find peace in the persecution. Rather than crying tears of pain, your tears are tears of joy. This realization keeps you strong because joy is your strength. When you deal with something that would make others quit and you still maintain maintain peace and joy and hope and Christ-like attitude, then your pain becomes perfected and you become a trophy that God can display for all to see and say, if they can make it, you can make it. And since I don't have another Sunday to deal with pain, can I just leave you with some pain promises? Let me just make you some promises. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11. He knows you. And his plans are for you. Well, I'm going through pain. He must have adjusted his plans. No. His plans are to prosper you. Well, you don't know what I'm going through. She left me. I got nothing in the checkbook. They talk bad about me. His plans are to prosper you. How about another pain promise? Philippians 4, 19. He will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. I'm going through pain. He's got it. Just hang on. How about Romans chapter 8, verse 37? Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. I know you're being defeated right now, but just press on and hang on and endure one more day and one more day and one more day and allow your pain to be perfected and victory is assured, guaranteed. How about John chapter 14, verse 27? I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give you is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Well, I'm all by myself. I'm afraid. Pain promise. Let let, let me go one more. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. I will never leave you. Well, you you don't know where I am. I'm I'm in the valley of the shadow of death. He's still there. You don't understand I made my bed in in hell and it's going wrong. I will never leave you nor forsake. Nothing can separate me from the love of Jesus. Not even pain. And then I'll leave you with the one I've 
referred to Psalms chapter 46, 1. I love this verse. God is our refuge and our strength. <laughs> God, you don't need a refuge unless you're running from something. You don't need a refuge. You don't need a place to hide unless something's chasing your hind end. Just being real. You don't need a strong tower unless the enemy. Come on, read the word. If he says, I'm your refuge, he must have known that you were going to need some place to hide. And if he said, I'm your strong tower, he must have realized and planned on the fact and willed the fact that you were going to come under attack. But then he goes on. And he says, I'm a very present help in your time of trouble. Oh, I love that passage of scripture because that means, and I, I don't even like the implications, but I like it. That means that he's the most present when I'm in the most trouble. <laughs> I, I, when I'm dealing with the most pain, then I can turn around and see more of God's presence right then than it. Because I don't, there are days when things go so well that if I'm not careful, I'm not even sure I need him. Oh, y'all don't look at me like that. Because some of y'all pray your rear ends off when you're in trouble. And all of a sudden, the car's running right and you've got stuff in the bank account. And your husband loves him, loves you more than he's ever loved you before. And the kids actually obeyed. And the dog actually went outside to, to well, you know. And all of a sudden, I, don't, I go all day long and I haven't prayed. But now, my husband talked mean to me. And my kids looked at me like I was crazy. And my boss just fired me and my car broke down. And I want to kill the dog. And all of a sudden, I turn around. And God is there. He's a very present help. In my time of trouble. And so this morning, I speak to you as pain partners. Going through people pain. Some of you are being destroyed by people some of you I speak to you in your permanent pain I wished I could pray you out but I can't because it's something God says he's sufficient for and he's going to let you endure it and I ask you together all of us together to learn to allow our pain to be perfected so that other people will be drawn to us not because we're strong but because we have a refuge and a strong tower and present help and they can run to us and we open up our arms and say I've been through that, good news God's here and he sent me to be here too to perfect what you're going through Father this morning I pray for folks in this house that are dealing with people pain God, if there's a lesson I've learned in life, it's this. People can be mean. Some pain is caused by accident. But some of my folks sitting in this room right now are going through pain that was intended. It was on purpose. People are mean. 
mean actions, mean words. And it is wounded and it's scarred. And God, I pray for the, 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 the person here today that wants to be stronger, but instead they're becoming bitter. I ask that the balm of Gilead, Jesus, the one that was betrayed, the one that was beaten ruthlessly, the one that experienced so much people pain and never received not one apology. I pray that that Jesus would enter into the hearts of people that are being attacked. And I pray that you would make us strong. And I pray that, Father, you would enable us to deal with our own healing. And we would get clear enough perspective that we base our healing on you and not on somebody else. Father, I pray for some individuals here this morning that are dealing with permanent pain. They've cried out to you time and time again, begging, pleading for relief. And none seems to come. I ask you to give them a revelation of sustaining grace. And even though they will continue to endure the pain, they will find strength that they didn't know they had. And they will plumb the depths of grace that many of us will never know. Sustain them, I pray. And God, for all of us, I pray that you would perfect our pain. All of us will endure it at some point. I pray that we would allow that pain to work into our lives and produce in us what you planned. God, I pray that in this very moment, those that are struggling and hurting and feel like giving up, I pray that they would grab onto the pain promises and they would recognize that in this very moment, your presence is promised and is more real at this moment than at any other time of their life. And I pray that they would grab onto that in Jesus' name. Would you just reach out? I, I normally have you stand, but I'm not going to. I just want you to reach out and grab somebody by the hand. God, you place us in this body so that there will be somebody that will walk through the valley with us. God, I ask you right now to help our pain to become a passport into the brokenness of other people's lives. God, the person I'm connected to right now by holding hands, I don't know necessarily know their story and I don't know what they're walking through, but at this moment, I lift their hand. Come on, would you just lift the hand of the person next to you? I lift their hand as a symbol that we're in this together. And together, our hands will go up in victory. And when the day is done, whether the pain is removed or not, we will be victorious together. Join our hearts together like this 
And I pray that we would become very honest and real with one another and we wouldn't try to fake our way through. But together, on my good days, I'll lift their hands. But on my bad days, I will lean on them and they'll lift me into victory. Connect us like that, I pray. And we will know without a shadow of a doubt that our pain was worth it. That it was the gateway to our destiny. And that it connected us to people that you assigned us to. And Father, we'll thank you. We will thank you. Right smack dab in the middle of pain, we thank you for your presence and for loving us so much. In Jesus' name, would you look at your neighbor right now and say, you can make it, and I'll go with you. Come on, tell him, you can make it. We'll go through this thing together. Come on, tell him one more time. Turn, turn the other way. Turn, tell the other person next to you, you can make it, and I'm with you. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.